Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. As um, part of my studies and teaching over the years, I've had the privilege of spending time in Israel on a number of occasions. And walking the lands of the Bible, where the stories took place, where the books were written, has really helped me appreciate how much the scriptures are grounded in every day and in the realities of lives and bodies and communities. One of the fascinating things about visiting Israel these days is seeing how some of the ancient practices of the Old Testament scriptures are applied and lived out in a very modern culture, including, of course, the practice of Sabbath. Staying in a hotel in Israel on a Friday night brings with it some interesting challenges. You might get asked if you check in whether you would prefer an old-school brass key or an electronic swipe card, which for an outsider raises this really existential dilemma about which one of those is considered more work. If you're staying in a high-rise building, you want to make sure you understand what a Shabbat elevator is. Because if you don't, as our students didn't, you will realise soon enough when you get in and the buttons don't work, to stop you from having to work to push them, of course. And instead, it stops at every single floor on the way up and down. Now, without wanting to be judgmental, these kinds of technical rules to ensure that someone doesn't accidentally do something that could be considered work and therefore break the Sabbath, they do feel a little legalistic. Perhaps even a little like the kinds of the things the Pharisees in Jesus' day were arguing about. How far can you walk? Who can you help? What are you allowed to pick up and not? And why Jesus had to remind them. Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Is Sabbath really about vigilantly measuring the amount of effort something takes to do so that you can then decide whether that is allowed or not on the day of rest? Jesus says, oh, it was never meant to be that kind of a burden. Now, I've also had some experiences in Israel that have really opened my eyes to the beauty and the rich invitation and the true delight of what Sabbath can be like. The Jewish Sabbath always starts at sunset on Friday evening, and in Jerusalem, that is absolutely the most amazing time to be at the Western Wall. You're probably familiar with the Western Walls, commonly known as the Wailing Wall, because most of the time it's where people go to mourn and to pray. It's the last remaining part of the temple uh, from the second temple period or the time when Jesus was around. And so people go there to lament the loss of the temple and to cry out for its restoration. But not at sunset on the Sabbath. 
As the Sabbath begins, huge crowds gather at the wall. Everyone from the Orthodox in their big shiny black coats and fairy hats to the soldiers in their army fatigues carrying their automatic weapons to the women in their best dresses, men in yarmulkes, children, tourists, police, everyone in between. Thousands of people cram into every inch of space, or at least in pre-COVID times they did. And as the sun begins to set, a hush falls over the crowd. And then the Sabbath is welcomed in with singing and dancing and shouting and clapping and cheering and praying. Strangers like pull one another into circles to dance with people that they've never met. There's like multiple songs being sung by different groups at the same time. It's a cacophony of sound and joy. There is laughter and hugging and twirling and smiling. It is pure, unadulterated delight. Now, I can't actually show you any photos or videos from within that gathering itself because it's also a space that is set apart considered holy, and so no cameras or phones are allowed. I took that photo you saw from outside afterwards one night. All you can do is be present in the moment. Just get caught up in the joy and the freedom and the delight. It is truly an experience like no other. I think you would be hard-pressed to be in the old city of Jerusalem on a Friday and forget about the fourth of the Ten Commandments. Remember to observe the Sabbath day. And then after an hour or two of public revelry, just as quickly as the celebration welcoming the Sabbath in begins, the crowds disperse. And for me, there's this sense of hurry as people on the streets head back to their homes to share the Shabbat meal with their family and friends. And that too has been a revelation for me. This photo probably looks to you just like a photo from any other ordinary dinner. But this was taken at the end of the very first Shabbat meal I ever participated in in Jerusalem. That dinner went for hours. There were candles and wine. There were multiple prayers and blessings. There was laughter and conversation. And, of course, there was many different courses of absolutely delicious and copious amounts of food. But the memory that sticks with me above all others when I look at that photo is something that happened before we had even tasted a single bite. Our host brought out these little bowls filled with sweet-smelling spices and fragrant fruits, like cinnamon sticks and cloves, jasmine, apple. And they were passed around the table, not to eat, don't make that mistake, but simply to smell. And we paused And we spend a not insignificant amount of time just taking in the aromas to enjoy, to wonder, to delight, to anticipate. And so when I hear again the words of the prophet Isaiah when he says to the people of God, enjoy the Sabbath, make it your delight, it's that table that my thoughts often go back to. A simple memory, a very simple practice but a practice that I think speaks volumes into my own practices. Because, if I'm honest, how often before I eat a meal do I pause, really pause, purely just to take in the fragrances and the aromas, to anticipate and delight? I don't know about you, but most of my meals are a bit more rushed than that. Or how often do I pause 
when I'm walking to literally stop and smell the roses. I live right near a rose garden in the South Parklands, and I try to do this, to just stop and drink in the scent and delight in it. How often do I slow down and notice the art on the streets that I drive down, or listen attentively to the call of the birdsong, or intentionally savour the feel of the wind, or actually look into the eyes of the person who is serving me across a counter? I'm so pleased to be able to be here and be part of this teaching series you're doing on redeeming restfulness. And I know you've already been talking about the challenges of living in a culture which is so often restless and hurried, busied, tired, exhausted. The practice of Sabbath really is one that speaks so powerfully into our day. Last week, Dan spoke about some of the different ways the Hebrew word Shabbat is um, used in the Old Testament, and maybe it's just me, I've only just noticed today that the four little symbols there on the slide actually line up with them. Well done, Dan. <laughs> but first of all, there's this idea of stopping and ceasing, reminding ourselves that we are not God, the world will continue on without us, and reminding ourselves of our human limitations. Then there's the idea of resting, that 6-1 rhythm of evening and morning that invites us to be renewed in preparation for work. Still to come, there's the idea of worship, a day set apart as holy to orient our whole beings back to God. And then there's this idea of delight, taking time with God to enjoy and celebrate, to revel with him in the goodness and beauty of all that he has made. And that's what we get to focus on this morning, Sabbath as delight. Sabbath as delight is an invitation into the big story of God from beginning to end, from creation to new creation. In Genesis chapter 1, right at the beginning of the Bible, God creates the heavens and the earth, and then he creates the Sabbath. This day on which God pauses, not because he's tired, but because he wants to marvel in all that he has made. He wants to look at it again and see how good everything is. He wants to smile upon it. He wants to enjoy his relationship with it. And even more than that, as if that wasn't incredible enough, God invites humanity. Even though we are part of his creation, we are those who've been created in his image and he invites us to join him in that delight. We too are offered this day, this practice of Sabbath, to pause, to notice, to drink it all in with gratitude, enjoyment and delight. It's sometimes the joys and privileges of being human. Sabbath's delight also lifts our eyes to the goal of creation, to the other end of God's story. While the book of Revelation doesn't use the word Sabbath itself, the New Testament does draw on this language of rest to talk about the new creation, the renewal of all things. And the picture of what that new creation looks like in the last two chapters of the Bible, in Revelation 21 and 22, take us to the garden city where there is beauty and goodness, worship and presence, and the invitation is to enjoy forever all that God has made. True delight, forever and ever. And so as we live out of the creation story, we anticipate and look forward to the new creation to the renewal of all things, and we find ourselves living in between. 
where Jesus reminds us of this practice called Sabbath, a rhythm of taking time each week to pause, to wonder, to worship, to give thanks, and to delight. So I want to take you this morning to Isaiah chapter 58, which if you want to grab a Bible and follow along, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we will work our way through some of the key ideas. To set the context, this chapter in Isaiah is the introduction to the final section of this amazing prophetic work that takes place over many years, a couple of generations, but a book which climaxes in an incredible vision of the renewal and recreation of all the things. Not too different than those final two chapters of Revelation. But even as he looks forward to that, Isaiah, like us, lives in the in-between. He lives in the real world. He lives in our world, where people forget, where people don't understand and don't get it, where there are distractions and pressures, and where sin gets in the way of God's people truly experiencing the delight of Sabbath. And so this passage, Isaiah, starts with a shout, but it's not a shout of joy. He calls the people of Israel to an awareness of their sins. It's a wake-up call. He says, you might be coming to God's temple every day. You might even look like you're keen to hear his word and follow his ways. But it's all a pretense. It's a sham. They are just going through the motions. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. Somehow the the spiritual practices that God has gifted them for their blessing, things like fasting, feasting, festivals, Sabbaths, these have become a chore, a burden. And so they are putting on a show to try to impress God. They want him to notice how hard they're working at it. What a burden it is for them to keep his commands. They're a little bit like those Pharisees counting their steps and measuring how far they're allowed to walk. Or dare I say it, perhaps like the people using the showy brass keys rather than the electronic cards or making sure to be seen, not pushing the elevator button. It's almost like, look at this burden, God, that I am willing to bear for you. Aren't you impressed with me? If we ever fall into thinking that practicing Sabbath is about putting on a good show for God or putting on a good show for your pastor or your church family, then we're no different to the people that Isaiah is calling out here. You can't impress God by how seriously you practice the Sabbath or by how beautiful your preparations look or by how hard you work. This invitation to Sabbath is not so that you can show what a good Christian you are or that you are better at doing this than anyone else, or that you can expect God to give you a gold star for just how hard you're trying. Isaiah's answer to the people of his day is swift and it is cutting. He says, you're not doing this to please God. You're doing it to please yourselves. And I know this, he says, because it's all surface level stuff, externals. You might be refraining from food when you practice fasting, but you're still ripping off your employees and taking pot shots at your enemies. You're just going through the motions. On the inside, there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no compassion. And so we can say, you have missed the point of God's command. The purpose of these practices is flourishing life, 
for you and for all God's people. And so God says, no. No. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. These practices that God invites his people into, the spiritual rhythms of his way of life, bring freedom and justice, never pride and never exploitation. They are not a burden for anyone, whether those who are practising them, nor those around them to whom they are designed to overflow. See, the kind of Sabbath God is interested in is truly delight, not only for us as his people, but also for everyone we live among. What would it look like to practice Sabbath in ways that bring joy and freedom and light and life to those who are suffering and burdened in our community, to the hungry or the homeless, those who are lonely or anxious? You see, Sabbath is not a private activity where we each go into our own home and bunker down with our own family to rest by retreating from the rest of the world. Sabbath is to be practiced in the midst of the chaos and the confusion, the pain and the suffering and the messiness of our world. The practices of stopping, of resting, of delighting, of worshipping are ones that we can share with those around us. First by our example, then by allowing the blessings of them to overflow, and finally by inviting others to join us. When we slow down and acknowledge our need for rest and renewal, we model to those around us their human limitations too. And perhaps we hope that we lift the burden of busy from their shoulders just for a moment. When we practice delight as a community that feasts and creates and gives, those become tangible blessings to those in need. And when we refuse to participate in the patterns of production and consumption for a day, treating the people around us as fellow beings rather than those who can do something for us, we are inviting them into Sabbath. Or as Isaiah says, feed the hungry and help those in trouble, then your light will shine out of the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Practicing delight in God's good creation, including honouring and valuing our fellow human beings, our fellow divine image bearers, no matter their status or station, is like the brightest light in the blackest darkness, Isaiah says. You know how Jesus tells his followers that we are the light of the world? John read that earlier today. Or he says that our churches are to be like cities on a hill that shine their light for all to see. What if one of the ways that works in practice is not by running lots of programs or doing lots of things or even speaking lots of words? What if it's by modelling a different way of being in the world? by inviting people to unhurriedness and restfulness, by offering to include people in a community where they are valued based not on what they do or produce or earn, but simply on who they are loved by.
Sabbath is so countercultural. It might just be one of the most radical ways we can be a light into our contemporary, frenetic, distracted culture. We point forward to God's goal for the whole of creation where he is ever-present and where all things are renewed. Isaiah says, The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you'll be known as rebuilders of walls and restorers of homes. These are pictures of beauty, goodness, restoration, delight. They take us both back to the beginning of God's good creation and its refreshing, sustaining rhythms of life represented here by the garden. They also point us forward to the renewal of all things when the richness of human creativity and participation in the world is refined and redeemed where all that we have contributed and co-created with God in this world is truly able to be enjoyed and delighted in, in its beauty and goodness forever, represented here by the city, the garden and the city, just like Revelation 21 and 22. This is the big vision of God for the whole of his creation, his mission of redeeming and renewing all things and all the things that we contribute to it from beginning to end for the flourishing of his people in relationship with him through his son. And it's a vision that we can participate in even now as we tend God's good creation with him, as we seek restoration in broken lives and a broken world, as we take time to truly delight in the wonder and beauty of all and each one who he has made. So how... Do we do this? How do we live out of and towards and within this great vision? This chapter of Isaiah ends with these powerful words. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honour the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. Don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honour and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. Sabbath as delight. It's not just a good idea or a helpful corrective to our culture or a commandment for life, although it is every one of those things. But here God says that it is a way that we find true delight in him. And... It's a way that we can ensure that the inheritance he has always promised his people, the goal of creation and the purpose of the whole biblical story might be our reality. One day, fully and forever, but even now, in the midst of the chaos and mess of this world, it's where we find joy, satisfaction and how we overcome. So what does Sabbath as delight look like for you? How can you practice this personally, with your family, with your church community, with your neighbours, with those around you? One of the things I really love about my own church community at Richmond is we talk a lot about practices. uh, And we use that word practice to mean rhythms or habits that we have a go at. 
that can help us land what we talk about in our gatherings each week in specific and practical ways day by day. And so I was really excited uh, when Dan told me that you've included a weekly habit or a practice for this series, for each week of this Redeeming Restfulness series. And I really want to encourage you to have a go at it. What I love about that idea of practice is you're just practicing. So it doesn't matter if you stuff it up or you get it wrong or you make a mistake. There's no rules. Nobody's marking you. It's a chance to give it a go. And so this week's habit is one that resonates for me and I hope that it will resonate for many of you. It's a habit called photo of the day. So the invitation that I want to leave with you is to commit this week to take one photo each day of something that you find delight in. Something that captures your attention. Something that makes you go, wow. This is about practicing delight. And we learn to practice delight often by slowing down and paying attention, by looking, listening, noticing, smelling, taking it in. So really, a photo a day is an invitation to see. It's not so much about going out of your way to find something unique or special. Rather, it's about paying attention to the ordinary and the everyday all around you and seeing God's hand in his good creation everywhere. It's an invitation to Sabbath with God by taking on his perspective, where he sits back and surveys all that he has made, and he says, it is very good. Isn't it just an incredible picture of God? <laughs> that first Sabbath day when he pauses to survey everything that he has made and just to marvel again at its beauty and its goodness. God practices Sabbath. I, I imagine God looking at the sun that he created and causes to rise every morning and seeing the colours it paints across the sky and saying, wow, look what I made. But I also imagine God looking at the person sleeping rough under that same sun, the person curled up in a tattered sleeping bag and passed by without a glance by the early morning joggers, and I imagine God saying, wow, look who I made. I imagine God observing again the different hues in a flower garden or maybe a spice shop and say, smiling to himself about the breadth of the colour palette that he created. I also imagine God observing a street artist adorning the walls of a grey city with brightness and warmth and smiling at the creativity that the one made in his image is sharing with him. I imagine God glancing at a giraffe and chuckling at the awkward gait that he designed and marvelling again, how good are they? I also imagine God glancing at a child playing with a puppy, teaching it to fetch for the first time or rolling around on the ground for cuddles and chuckling as he marvels again, how good are they? I imagine God paying attention to the grains and the roughage he provided as food for different animals and how each perfectly meets their different needs and whispering, very good, very good. I also imagine God paying attention to the family gathered around their table laden with a feast to share with the hungry whom they have invited into their home to sit in a meal with them and whispering, very good, very good. And I imagine God holding the breadth and the depth of the entire universe he created in his hands. 
planets and stars and galaxies dancing across his palms and just delighting in its incredible vast breadth. And I imagine God holding the community of his people, you, his church, as you extend your hands to those outside, welcoming others to drop their burdens and join in the dance of freedom and joy and rest found in his son, Jesus, and God delighting in his love shown in and through you. So what might it be that captures your delight and invites you to share it with God and to share it with his people this week? In terms of the habit, you can find out more about the Photo of a Day practice if you go to the hub, I believe, out there or on the website, um, or it'll be posted in the Facebook group. There's even a hashtag uh, to share your photos on social media, or you can print them out to put up in the church foyer. I think it will be a wonderful thing to delight in what you delight in together. But the main point is actually that moment of noticing, of paying attention and seeing in all kinds of people and things, activities around you, the hand of God, pausing to receive it as a gift from him in which you find delight. Whether it's in nature or in community, in creativity or activity, in food, in music, in sport, in play, God's Sabbath invitation to you is to join him in delighting in his good creation and to know that as you do, he is delighting in you. Let me pray. Our creator God, everything in this world, you hold in your hands. It springs forth from your word, your imagination, your power and your heart. And we are amazed when we look around us and we see the breadth and the depth and the range and the variety of your creation from the smallest atom under a microscope to the vastest galaxy beyond the stars to the person sitting right next to us and the person that we too easily pass by without paying any attention to. All are your good and beautiful creation and all are that which you are longing to redeem and restore so that we might delight with you in it forever. God, we thank you for the story in which we live, the story of your good creation and the hope and anticipation of your renewal and recreation of all the things. And as we live in this in-between where there is mess and chaos and confusion and suffering and burdens and stress and exhaustion. We want to lift our eyes to your invitation to delight, to practice with you this rhythm of Sabbath in all the different ways. And particularly I pray this week for each one of us as we seek to put this practice into action, as we seek to find delight in you wherever it may be to be found in our daily lives. Open our eyes to see the gifts that you have for us in one another and in your good and beautiful creation. Open our hearts 
to practice Sabbath in ways that overflow and bring blessing to those around us. And open our arms to invite others to join us in the circle, in the dance, in the celebration of the delight it is to be your people, to know your son, to be loved by you. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.